There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pot back on Sports Open Line on a Wednesday night here in St. Louis. Happy you are along with us here tonight. Matt Pajeski is on the other side of the board for us tonight, too, by the way. Not to belabor the labor issues that baseball is having, but that is obviously a uh, an overarching story here. But a, a couple more numbers that uh, I saw here from Jeff Passan at ESPN, but he was giving a little bit more of the <clears throat> of the – uh, co- competitive bargain, co- competitive balance tax, rather, which is the luxury tax uh, threshold, and it was it was at two hundred and ten million. That's where it was at, and then the the once you get over that, then there there becomes there are penalties for teams to get over that. The players were wanting it to start at two forty five. It goes from two forty five to two hundred seventy three million. The owners are would move it from two hundred ten to two fourteen, and then that would only extend. It would go two fourteen to like two eighteen. So there's the difference there. It's two fourteen to two forty five. Whatever that is, thirty million, thirty one million dollars, something like that. Just more kind of specific numbers. And again, we will talk to Joe Sheehan who. Um, if you follow him on Twitter at all, you know where he comes in as far as what side he falls on, but I'll wait to get to that till he is with us here because I do think it's uh, – I think a lot of people probably will fall on the side with him. Maybe not, so we'll see, but that's coming up just about uh, 7.15, so that'll be our next segment. We'll get into that. I love this time of year, not winter and the weather that is outside, but the college basketball and where we are in the season and where we are getting to in the season, as I imagine most do, because as fun and thrilling as March is, the month of February, and certainly as we get into the last week of February and all of these conference races coming down to what they are is just about as exciting for me personally in the Ohio Valley Conference, they do not bring all 10 teams to the OVC tournament. So you actually have to fight for a berth in the OVC tournament, which SIUE currently is doing. And that is always, it's stressful, probably more so for the people on the sidelines, on the other sideline than it is for me. But it's exciting in the same regard that they're playing games that are meaningful and exciting in February. And this has been a difficult season for SIUE. They have one of the premier freshmen in college basketball in Rayshon Taylor from Collinsville, Illinois. In fact, I had him on this show a few months back. He is still to this day, I believe, leading the leading the nation in scoring among freshman players. And he hasn't played since January 29th when he tore his right ACL, which was the second time he has done that. He missed his entire true freshman season last year after tearing his ACL and he toured again in a game uh, on January 29th at Southeast Missouri. And, and so that's difficult. So it's been a difficult year for the Cougars, but they have won 10 games. They are do have a chance to get to the OVC tournament. They've got two games remaining in the regular season. The OVC has one of the tournaments that come up sort of before the traditional champion uh, champs week championship week. 
Um, they crown their champion. Actually, it'll be not this weekend, but the weekend after that. I think the Missouri Valley is on that uh, early schedule as well. They've got that that tournament that comes up about a week earlier than a lot of conferences do. Big game in the top 25 tonight. Duke is playing at Virginia. Virginia won by a point uh, back in February at Duke. Duke is 23-4. and four. Virginia 17-10. and 10, So it might maybe mean a little bit more for Virginia with the They'll still have the chance at the ACC title. Uh, they're mathematically still alive as far as that goes. For Duke, they are trying to obviously uh, extend their lead in the ACC, but also improve their seeding. They were they came out as, I think, the last number two seed when the NCAA released its top, uh, top seeds and sort of that preview that they do now. Mizzou struggling mightily uh, as well. They lost 80-61 last night to Tennessee. The Tigers shot 36% from the field in that game. That is ugly. Uh, Auburn trying to bounce back after losing to unranked Florida on Saturday. They're now third-ranked, Auburn is. And uh, they have Ole Miss tonight when you look at the look at some of the other SEC games. And uh, Kentucky is at home. Sixth-ranked Kentucky will take on LSU. Kentucky's 22-5. and five. LSU is 19-8. and eight. So that's a big game. That's coming up in Lexington. Uh, did you happen to see the Michigan-Wisconsin end to that game over the weekend? I'm sure you did. If you did not, that was the game in which uh, the Michigan head coach, Juwan Howard, was upset about a – I think it was upset. And I, I did not see the game. I saw what happened after the game. But I believe he was upset with a late uh, timeout that was called, that Wisconsin called. Wisconsin ended up winning that game. Anyway, when they got into the handshake line, Juwan Howard did not wish to shake hands with um, the coaches from Wisconsin, and one of the coaches kind of put his hand on Juwan Howard, which started a whole thing, and Juwan Howard ended up swinging at him, kind of throwing a punch. I don't. It didn't look to me like it was a full-on closed, pit, closed fist, you know, right hook or anything. It looked like he kind of just swung at his face, but... He's been suspended for the final five games of the regular season. Um, I I thought I thought that was pretty light to only get the regular season, and the reason I say that is because you know this is not players kind of caught up in the emotion. I realize yes, it's a coach caught up in the emotion, but these are the coaches are supposed to sort of be above that, right? They're supposed to be the level headed, setting an example for the players that are on their bench that are in their program. And and I think that's where, you know, Juwan Howard kind of, I mean, obviously lost his cool, but, but I think overstepped the line. Now I have a friend who's a giant Michigan fan and we chatted about it. And he said, he kind of put it in perspective and he mentioned some of the other college coaches and things that have happened. Uh, Will Wade comes to mind who has had all kinds of allegations of, improper handling of recruits and possible payments to recruits. And he's been investigated by the NCAA several times and, you know, has still been able to keep his job. And and there are others out there that have have similar misgivings that have still been able to keep their job. And so that's where, and I said, as I said, he's a Michigan fan. So he's coming from a little different perspective than, than I am certainly, but you know, that he kind of said, maybe we need to pump the brakes just a little and, and have a little grace, but, that's where we are. Five regular season games for Juwan Howard. He will be able to come back and, and work in the postseason and be back on the sideline in the postseason. And Phil Martelli, I think, is uh, the the head coach, sort of the uh, the interim is what I was trying to say. I don't know if it's actually an interim since Juwan Howard is still there. But Phil Martelli, a, uh, 
He was a legendary coach, spent a long time at uh, St. Joe's in Philadelphia, in the A-10, as a matter of fact, and that's who uh, St. Louis just beat last night here at Chaffetz Arena. We need to take a break. We come back. We'll have Joe Sheehan. We'll talk more about the baseball labor issues. We'll do that on the other side of the break. It's Sports Open Line. I'm Joe Pott, and this is Camo X. Back in on Sports Open Line, Joe Pott with you here on Camo X. Back to more baseball talk as the impasse continues, if you will, down in Florida at Roger Dean Stadium. And I'm pleased to be joined by Joe Sheehan, um, who I have followed for years and years on uh, Twitter, at Joe underscore Sheehan. And uh, Joe, I, I love, I, I want to know how many times you have uh, tweeted that essentially this lockout could be lifted by the owners at any point. You sort of make that point yeah. daily. Yeah, I'm trying to now because I think that's something that a lot of fans aren't basically being told about. Um, I wrote about a week ago now, uh, kind of breaking down the numbers, might be two weeks. And when you actually look at the gap between these sides, it's just money. If you look at when baseball has lost games in the past, 1972, 1981, 1994, there's always been one critical issue at the center of it, pension, free agency, the owner's desire for a payroll cap. There's been a massive issue that they couldn't get to, get to the middle of. This is really just about money. If the owners, and I'm not saying they have to do this, but if the owners were to accept the player's entire platform as it stands today, it would actually be a win for them. They'd be rolling back their overall outlay to about where it was in 2018, but it would be a lower percentage of revenues when you consider they'd be getting expanded playoffs in the deal, they'd be getting uniform patches in the deal. So it's very frustrating right now that we have this lockout that's entirely unnecessary. That's really over about three to five percent of industry revenues. Well, that is something that I was saying. I was talking to our producer, and I was just going through some of the numbers, whether it's the minimum salary or the competitive balance tax. And my point basically is that for you and I, that means nothing to us because it's just large numbers, and there has to be somewhere they can meet in the middle and that's that's where we're at right now is they have not neither of them neither side has decided where they might meet in the middle now the other point that you make that i like is that this is not something that we are not having baseball because of the impasse because they could still be working through this while we had spring training while we had baseball this is a voluntary decision by the group of owners to not have baseball Right. The precedent there is 1994. The collective bargaining agreement uh, expired on December 1st, 1993, and both sides continued to operate. That post, excuse me, that the uh, hot stove league was played under the old rules. The 1994 season started under the old rules. There was nothing stopping them from doing that. Now there is a clause in the current CBA whereby the competitive balance tax, balance tax sunsets at, at the end of the CBA. So right now, if the owners were to lift the lockout there would be no CBT. However, it's a fairly small impact. There aren't that many big free agents left out there. You've got Correa, some other guys. Um, and yes, it would mean that you could sign Correa to a one-year $75 million deal. Okay. You know, I mean, that's something that the owners seem to not want to allow to happen. But that's the only real sticking point. And they could go to the union and say, look, we'll lift the lockout if you agree to modify this clause. The owners have complete and total control of the situation. It's not a player's lockout. 
It's an owner's lockout. They could open the gates tomorrow, play under the old CBA, negotiate a new competitive balance tax to cover the one year or not. But there's no good reason right now for these camps to be closed. And yes, I, Joe, I have really been hitting that point over the last couple of weeks just because it's so unlike the other times in baseball history where we've had a situation like this. There's just not enough on the table to blow up the season. And it's not even a normal season, right? Two years ago, we had a 60-game season due to the pandemic. And even then, the owners were like, well, let's play as few games as possible. Um, If you have another season like this, if they have a 120-game season because of the lockout, I think you're going to do permanent damage to the game. And I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who says baseball is dying. But right now, baseball is smoking three packs a day. (laughs) I I said that. Earlier, I said that, you know, I thought it would be disastrous if we get to that point again where we're where we're not playing games because of this. And um, I was disagreed with. But I, I and I, I, I said disastrous. Not maybe that was a little bit too strong. But I also believe that, you know, that's going to be in a bad situation. And my point then also was we don't have McGuire and Sosa to, to fall back on here to, to try to rebound from or with. In the aftermath, talk about Ripken in 95, McGuire Sosa in 98. I want you to think about, and I apologize, I don't know how old you are, um, the game as it was going into the strike. The 93 season was a great season. The 94 season was an epic season. You actually had guys chasing Maris's home run record. Uh, Griffey, Matt Williams, uh, I want to say Frank Thomas had a shot at it. That was an incredible season that got broken off. So you had a level of enthusiasm for baseball that no longer exists. It exists in some fraction. But the game on the field isn't great. I mean, we talk about this all the time, and they simply, they're not dealing with those issues at the moment. Um, and I think we can disagree on what needs to be done, but I don't think you can compare baseball in 1994 to baseball in 2022 and just assume everybody's going to come back. They're not. Yeah, Matt What Matt Williams had 50 home runs, right, when the, when the season stopped, I think, something like that. Yeah. Forty-one or forty-two oh, so, in uh, okay. August, I say August eighth was, it. but he, but he definitely. I mean, that was one of the big stars. Griffey had a shot at it, and like I said, I think there was one other player who was up around the high thirties. So this was one of the big developing stories of that season. You had Greg Maddox having an all-time season. You had the new ballpark parks in Cleveland and Texas, bringing all kinds of people. That Cleveland team was fantastic. They would go to the World Series in nineteen ninety-five, and of course the Expos. You know, the Expos were a great story that year. The ninety-four baseball season is one of the great tragedies in baseball history because we never got to see it completed. Nobody's going to feel that way about 2022. And I guess I, I just, I think baseball is not, I think baseball, I think the owners are not recognizing that they're not in the same place they were 28 years ago. Yeah. And I feel like too, that, you know, just the fact that we, like you said, we've spent the 2020 season, it was 60 games. We had mm-hmm. no fans in the ballpark then. So we're trying mm-hmm. last year. Most teams didn't have, full capacity, you know, until we got midway through the season. So we're already talking about fans that are, you know, disgruntled or not disgruntled, mm-hmm. but they're disappointed already. And you're just going to pile this on top of them by, by missing regular season games. Right. Baseball needed to go into 2022 with some momentum. Hey, it's a full season. The parks are all open again. Yep. Come watch Otani. Trout's coming back. Acuna's coming back from his injury. Max Scherzer just signed a great contract. Can he, can he get the Mets back to the World Series? There are so many great player-centric storylines that they're throwing away. The other thing, Joe, we've blown up spring training now. It was obviously, I mean, I can't say it's baseball's fault for 2020. I mean, the pandemic hit in the middle of March, and you had to stop having spring training. Last year's spring training wasn't quite the same. You had you know, Florida and Arizona were open, but people weren't traveling in the same way that they were. 
this year was supposed to be the comeback for spring training. You've already blown that. You've already blown spring training out of the water. If you reach a, if you reach a deal tomorrow, and they're not going to reach a deal tomorrow, maybe my birthday, Saturday, for me, <laughs> Rob Manfred, just do it for me. Right. Um, you know, if you reach a deal Saturday, yeah, you get like a three weeks, three weeks of exhibition games. When people have already canceled their flights, then a lot of people just aren't going to go. So you've blown up three, spring training three years in a row. You've got people out of the habit of going to spring training. There are losses here that don't affect the owners. I mean, there's 30 billionaires, well, 28 billionaires and two corporations. You know, none of these guys are really going to be affected by this. But a ton of people are being affected by it. A ton of fans are missing experience. I don't want to get all mopey about it. I really don't. But this isn't just a battle between the owners and the players. There are a lot of people affected by this that are really being screwed by the owners reaching out for that 3 to 5% of revenues and – it's just not worth it, man. It's a really good point, though. I did, the one that I didn't really take into account, the spring training and the fact that, you know, there are families that spend that, you know, spend that spring break down at spring training. You know, whether it's in Florida or Arizona, wherever it is, and a chance to see the players up close a little bit, which they have not had a chance to do, as you mentioned, in the last couple of years, but kind of something that I didn't think about. My, my thought always was sort of, well, you know, the, the players will be fine. They'll be in shape and they'll be ready for a season. But I, I, I fail to think about that fact that there are families out there that kind of plan their, you know, their their march around spring training probably. Yeah, I hear from them all the time, whether it's on Twitter or through the newsletter. If you say, yeah, I was going to go to spring training, take my nine-year-old for the first time, that's not happening. And, you know, maybe it happens next year when they're 10 or maybe they never get that love of baseball and they start playing you know, among us or something, or they get into some, some other sport and that never happens. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you're getting me on a bad moment. Joe, I'm, sorry. I'm just very frustrated <laughs> right now. I'm just really exasperated with this because it doesn't need to happen. It absolutely doesn't need to happen. The owners could lift the lockout, continue to negotiate. And we see where we are. And people say, you know, well, the players will strike in August. Yeah. You know, maybe that's their option, but that's the same argument. There's not really enough on the table to warrant the players walking out. I, I'm pretty sure the players recognize that. So the owners have to own this lockout. The owners are taking baseball away from you. Joe Sheehan with us here on Sports Open Line on X. Do you foresee either side blinking, uh, for lack of a better term? Do you foresee there being um, enough concessions made to make some sort of, um, I, I guess, even just make some headway here as we approach what now they've laid out as this February 28th deadline? A CBA is a 400-odd page document, and I know this because I read them, which I don't recommend anybody to do. Um, <laughs> but really, we're talking about four things right now. We're talking about the minimum salary. We're talking about the, whatever they're going to do for pre-arbitration eligible players who are really good and aren't making a lot of money right now. We're talking about uh, – I'm blanking on the third thing. And we're talking about the CBT. Mm-hmm. The CBT is going to be the big one because what the owners really want to do is turn it into a hard cap or as hard a cap as they can get. They're not. They're 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 offering to basically raise the thresholds in a manner that doesn't keep up with inflation, much less the increased revenues in Major League Baseball. You would have more and more teams essentially up, you know, having a two hundred thirteen point nine 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 million dollar payroll, uh, and that's what's happened. They've, they're also looking to increase the penalties for going over it to basically say, look, we want this to be effectively a cap. The players have come in and said, look, the thresholds haven't kept up with revenues. Teams are treating it like a cap, which it wasn't supposed to be when it was first negotiated. Uh So that's going to be the issue. If they can reach agreement on all the other stuff, I think they can get there. But if the owners decide they want to turn the luxury tax threshold into a cap, 
that's going to be the thing that takes us into May and June. The players just are not going to allow that to happen at this at this point. What keeps that? What keeps that from being the case? From from separating that from or or making that an actual competitive balance tax as opposed to a salary tax? Is it is it a salary floor? Well, no, because. The owners proposed a salary floor well a while back, but they did it in a way that lowered the tax thresholds that would have actually paid the players less money effectively. You know, the owners are making the argument, have always made the argument, that it actually is a competitive balance tax, which I grind my teeth every time I say that, because it's really not. Baseball, and this is probably way too much for up against commercial break, baseball's got good competitive balance. If you compare it to the other leagues, use pretty much any metric you want. Baseball's got very good competitive balance. Um, so calling it a competitive balance tax is nonsense. It's designed to keep high revenue teams from paying a lot more for players designed to hinder the market for free agents and for good players. Um, I think the solution here, it, it goes back to 93 and 94. The large market owners are willing to share their revenue with the small market owners in return. They get a payroll restraint that keeps them from having to spend so much on, you know, that keeps the payrolls in line, but, that's a deal between the large market owners and the small market owners. And basically all both sides have gone to the players for 45 years now and said, please stop us from competing with each other. This is a 45 year fight. You go back to the start of free agency and the owners have always gone to the players and said, please let us not compete. That's the fight we're still having. My goodness. How good is Joe Sheehan? He knows, he knows the clock. He's got that radio clock in his head. Joe, I appreciate <laughs> you taking some time. I am sorry that I have uh, added to the foul mood tonight, um, but I, I, the, the info is invaluable. I appreciate it. It's Joe underscore Sheehan, and the baseball newsletter is at joesheehan.com. I really appreciate it, and I hope we can catch up again and actually talk some baseball as we get into the season. Sounds good, Joe. Take care, man. That's Joe Sheehan with us here tonight talking uh, bad news, of course, about the baseball lockout, which continues. And now there's a hard deadline of February 28th, according to owners that, uh, well, regular season games will be missed if they don't reach that deadline, which is Monday. That is, uh, well, that's probably not all of our baseball talk because I do want to open the phone lines as we get maybe into the, uh, at least into the last segment, maybe here on Sports Open Line, but we do have more to come uh, with you till 8 o'clock tonight here on Camo X. I'm glad you're with us. Hope you're home safe, sound, warm, all those good things. We've got more on the other side of the break. I'm Joe Pott. It's Sports Open Line on Camo X. A high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pop back in on Sports Open Line. We've got you till uh, 8 o'clock tonight. And uh, I do want to, uh, I will take some some phone calls. So uh, I guess through the through the end of the hour here, we'll, we'll take your call at 436-7900. That's 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And we can talk about baseball. Uh, I'm interested to hear, you know, what your thoughts are on the Juwan Howard punishment. If you thought it was not enough, if it was too strong. So all of those things are on the table. We can talk about other college basketball. We can talk about the Lindenwood jump to a division one that we talked about, uh, 
earlier in the show. So whatever you would like to talk about. Terry is up first, and Terry is, uh, I don't know if he's agreeing with Joe Sheehan or not. He wants to talk about the actual on-field product uh, as far as baseball goes. Terry, yeah, hit no, me. I agree with everything Joe Sheehan said. I'm just calling it. I don't know if you read the article in the USA Today uh, where Goose Gossage, he had like a half uh, page where he expressed his views on the state of the game of baseball. It was perfect. I mean, it was like when I read this article, I felt relieved because he expressed my views in this half a page, and he did it beautifully. I don't know if you read the article. I, I did not, but I'm going to go find it, I'll be honest, yes. because I would love to see what, what he had to say and what, what his thoughts are. So His, his, his exact words, I'm going to say it how he said. He said, it's a shame what is happening to this game you got these nerds that are up atop in the game that are running baseball. There are no managers. They're puppets from the front office. And they, are, they come down, they make up the lineup cards, they make pitching changes. You have eight or nine pitchers every night in a game. It brings the game to a screeching halt. It takes four hours to play a game. And he said you got these blankety-blank idiots that won't adjust to the shift. He goes... He goes, you got people who refuse to hit to the other side. He said when he played once that they put the shift on Boog Powell and he bunted it five times and he got five hits and they stopped it. He said it's a disgrace what these people have done to this great game. And I agree with everything he says. I like it, Terry. I'm, I like the passion. I, I appreciate you bringing it. And I am going to go find that article from Goose Gossage and – Maybe I can bring it up next time that I get a chance to host. Okay, but that's... Uh, one, one quick thing. I, there's a Lisa out there. She talks a lot on the radio, and she keeps pulling for the Cardinals to sign Kyle Schwarber. I agree with her 100%. Oh, Kyle Schwarber, huh? All right. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it, Terry. Thanks for the call. Kyle Schwarber, um, I don't know. Uh, where do you play Kyle Schwarber? I think that's my question. I guess you can DH Kyle Schwarber, and that would probably be what they're – or what the uh, what the thought is bringing Kyle Schwarber here to play uh, for the Cards? He is a he was with did he finish with Boston last year? I think he finished it with Boston last year. Of course, he was long time with the Cubs. Uh, with the uh, spent time with the Nationals. Yeah, he was traded from the Nationals to the Red Sox last year. Um, I'm just looking at at some of Kyle Schwarber's numbers. Good on base percentage with Boston. In uh, 41 games of 435 on base, 957 OPS, and had that as well. He was up above 900 in 2021, uh, played in 113 games total. That was between uh, Chicago. No, that was between. Oh, that was all of 2021. Sorry, I'm getting my numbers mixed up there. So 910 for Washington, 957 for Boston. That was the best of his career. He had never been over about an 870 on base wise for uh, before that. Never hit more than uh, he had. His high was 38 home runs for the Cubs in 2018 when he played 2019. Rather, he played in 155 games that year for the Cubs. So I don't know. I would be interested to know where where you'd think that Kyle Schorber uh, fits, whether it's uh, as a DH. I don't think obviously you're going to play him. Um, 
in the outfield, which he played a little bit of with the Cubs. He was in left field for a while with the Cubs. Um, and I think the Cardinals outfield is obviously pretty well set. So I don't know. That would be something to think about. He is I was trying to find his age 28. So he wouldn't I, he probably is not going to cost too terribly much. Seven years he's played that actually counts the 2016 season where he only played in a couple of games that year. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold on Kyle Schwarber. Maybe it's just cause a long time as a cub gives you a bad taste in your mouth. We are uh, close to another break. We'll have, uh, I'll take more calls. If you want to chime in on anything, whether it's baseball, whether it's, um, as I said, anything as far as the labor agreements, what's your feelings on that? Do you agree with, Joe Sheehan, that this is something that is a completely unavoidable or a completely avoidable situation. Rather, it certainly seems that way that that this could be rectified as far as getting back on the field. Not you're not going to clear up the uh, labor situation without negotiations continuing because there are obviously there is some some difference where the players want to be, where the owners want to be, but they could be playing baseball. We could be having spring training right now and we're not and we aren't because the owners chose to lock out the players so that part is true uh so if you do want to call 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 we'll wrap things up here on this edition of sports open line on the other side of the break i'm joe pot this is camo x Back in on Sports Open Line on a Wednesday night. Final segment here for me. At your service comes up uh, on the other side in the uh, after 8 o'clock tonight. Looking, I was just looking more, digging more into uh, Kyle Schwarber. Um, I guess, so my guess is that the it would be a DH against right-handed pitchers. That's where you could use, that's where I think that Kyle Schwarber you know, would excel 880 for his career against right-handers, 680 for his career hitting against left-handers, and he was at uh, like $7 million last year, I think, split between the two, uh, Washington and um, Washington and Boston. So, I don't know. It wouldn't be – it probably wouldn't be a huge uh, outlay as far as um, as far as money's concerned. He's probably not going to ask for a bunch of years or demand a bunch of years, but – could you take him for a couple of years? Probably so. If we are in agreement that the universal DH is uh, going to be in baseball, which I don't know if they've said that they've said that it probably is. I don't know if anything's been said because we don't have a collective bargaining agreement right now, as we've been talking about all night long. But so, yeah, that would be interesting, I guess. I think otherwise, you know, maybe, maybe a spot start uh, in the outfield occasionally to, um, give one of your guys a rest, but you do have other guys that can play in the outfield and you have other guys that are going to hit against right-handed pitchers. So I don't know. Interesting, but I wish we could be talking about it. I wish we could be talking about what teams are doing. And I mean, we, we can't even have any hot stove talk. We can't even talk about who is a possibility to sign and where they might sign and who's offering who what because of this lockout. So it's all it's all uh, on hold right now. 
that was something that Joe Sheehan, if you missed that, he was talking about the loss of spring training, which I did not even really consider. I didn't consider that, um, you know, there's families that are missing that trip, missing that spring trip, and, you know, some nine-year-old missing his first chance to get a look at one of his favorite players. Two years ago today was the Battlehawks home opener when they had 26,000 plus fans in the uh, Edward Jones Dome. I was just, I'm seeing a whole bunch of uh, tweets about it. And somebody, I saw somebody earlier, and I, I wish I could tell you who it was, and I can't because I don't remember. They said it may not have been the best St. Louis sporting event, but it might have been the most quintessential St. Louis sporting event. Because, of course, we were all uniting against our enemy out on the West Coast now, uh, Stanley, Enos Stanley Cronkey, who the Riverfront Times just said, by, by the way, that we should all move on past our hatred for Stan Cronkey. I turned the game off before I had to watch them present the Super Bowl trophy to him, so I have not watched that because I it would further ruin my weekend, and I did not want that to happen. So there's that. I have not gotten over it yet. And as I've said before on this show, I'm not, I was not a diehard Rams fan. I am a diehard St. Louis fan, and I didn't like the way that it ended for the city, not just for the city losing an NFL team, just what happened with the whole city. So, uh, and that's something that is uh, to be, determine whether or not St. Louis will get another entry into the XFL. And I hope that they do. I hope they get that opportunity. I hope that the fans get an opportunity to have a team of their very own. That was something that Kurt Hunsinger, who was the the president at the time, that was something that they set down as their landmark, that they were going to be born and raised in St. Louis. I said it then. I, I had a chance to interview him on this show way back then and he was it was so great to hear him talk about that and I recall my high schooler seeing them seeing the Battlehawks at high school football games spreading the word talking about what was what the XFL was going to be like and that's literally how they built this fan base and it was that it was built as a St. Louis team born and bred I think they did it absolutely the right way Kurt Hunsinger by the way is doing great things with minor league baseball so he is still, and he is a St. Louisan, but he's still doing some really cool things out there in the world of sports. And I think he, they built the Battle Hawks the right way. I hope that St. Louis gets another shot to have their own team born and bred and uh, see what, what this team, or what this town rather, really is and what kind of sports town that I know this town is and that everybody I think here and most folks here believe that this town is and Nobody ever believed we weren't a sports town. So I hope we get a chance to show that again with the XFL and with the, maybe the Battle Hawks. I don't, I, how could you call it anything else, right? We were all, caca, it was perfect. I don't even know where it came from. It was perfect. But let's see if that, if we get a chance to do that again. So that is still to come. Uh, wrapping things up here on Sports Open Line. Um, again, I've got about a minute left, a little bit more than a minute left. If somebody had something worthy call in right now, but if you don't, that's all right, too. I appreciate the time. Appreciate Joe Sheehan taking the time tonight. Appreciate Ken Davidoff from the New York Post as we talked about baseball and all of the problems that baseball has. I hope that the next time that I'm in this seat that I get a chance to be 
talking about baseball and talking about on-field baseball, maybe not the next time, maybe at least spring training, something going on that is worth talking about other than the group of players and owners meeting uh, at Roger Dean Stadium where the Cardinals and Marlins should currently be working out, and they are not. I think Chris Ranji will be in this seat tomorrow night uh, hosting Sports Open Line. And again, we're thinking about our man Kevin Wheeler, uh, who's out for a bit, um, and uh, appreciate uh, him allowing us to take his uh, seat here tonight. And uh, we'll keep doing what we do. I will be, I'll be back here on Friday morning for Total Information AM. Um, and Brad Young is next uh, with At Your Service. So that is what's to come here on KMOX on a Wednesday night. I appreciate uh, the time. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Hope you're in the in the house warm and safe and not on the roads and godspeed to all the folks out there clearing the roads for us tonight as well because i'll be shortly on them and trying to get myself back home as well blues back in action on friday night and there's plenty more they've got a big march to come got the sabers and the blackhawks to finish off february and then a big Busy, busy March. Thanks to Matt Pajeski. He's behind the board tonight. I'm Joe Pott. Thanks for spending time with us. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.